What happens when God has our life and his plan and what we want collides with that? That's something I've been wrestling with and looking through in my life. And so I pray that this will mean something to you in the power of confession. As we walk through God's word, what happens is the more that we confess what scripture says and the word of God, there's power in it. So think of it this way, is that God spoke and then there was power. He said, let there be light, and there was what? Light. He, he said, you know, all of a sudden, God is speaking to the plants. He's speaking to um, the stars. He's speaking to humans. He begins to speak, and we are born, and we are birthed. And that's the way the power of God works. It's through his word. There's a uh, Psalm 119. You've heard this if you might have grown up in church or been around a little bit. There's a word that I've, I've said a couple times, a phrase, uh, a passage says, Psalm 119 says, thy word is a lamp unto my what? And a light unto my, so this is what the Lord's been showing me. If I, as I read God's word, so I take his precious word, and as I read it, and his word says, do this, or it gives me a principle, right? Uh, the principle would be repay good for those who, do evil towards me. So I step in to the word. I actually do what it says or follow what the word says. And what I found is that by stepping into his word, it becomes a lamp unto my feet. It just takes me into the next step in my life. And then it becomes a light to my path. And I begin to see, oh, this could happen. And I continually step in God's word and step in God's word. And that's how it works. And that's how God moves. It's really that simple but it is difficult to do because of our flesh. So 1 Peter chapter 4, and I pray that this will minister to your heart as we look at this. Now, think about this for a moment. Peter is writing this passage, and he's most likely writing this from Rome. This, this book was written when Nero was on a rampage. Nero would take Christians, he would uh, wrap them in wax, he would put them in his garden, and he would light the Christians up to light his garden. Persecution was isolated, but yet, here is Peter. Paul had already gone to Rome. He had already ministered to the, to, to the, to the Jewish Christians who had come to Christ in Rome, and Paul is planting those churches. Some say Paul has left and gone towards Spain. Then Peter shows up, and Peter is encouraging them. And he's saying, these are the things that are going to come in the midst of all these struggles. He even says it down in the passage later on. He says, man, don't basically, and when there's fiery trials, don't be surprised at it. When there's a fiery ordeal, because that's what it is to walk with Christ. So I'm going to pray and ask the Lord to continue to open our eyes so that we can do what Revelation chapter says. He who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let's pray. Lord, we don't want to come today in any other way but by the name of Jesus, but by the blood of Jesus. And I just want to pray today that, Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be pleasing in your sight. I pray that us as a church family, that when the world, its love is growing cold, the love grows cold towards others, it goes, grows cold towards generations, it grows cold towards anything else, that we would have a hot heart for you and a hot heart for each other. And we thank you, Lord, that you have forgiven us of our sins, that you didn't just cover them, but that you washed them all the way. 
into the sea of forgetfulness. And so, Lord, I come just to, as Katie said so well, that I don't want to come with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the spirit and the power so that everybody in this room, that their faith would not rest on human wisdom, but on the spirit and the power. We love you, Lord. We thank you for all that you're giving us and all that you're doing in and through us. And I pray that you would continually speak. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, I just want to confess to you some things. Number one is that uh, as I have gotten older, some of you already know this, and I just want to apologize for coming late to the game. But as I've gotten older, this is what I want to do. I want to hit a home run every time I do something. Do you all know what I mean? I want to hit a home run. What I mean by that is that every time I, I put my life into something because I know that my life is getting shorter than longer, and, and so if you're younger, you might not feel this way, but if you're kind of older a little bit, you might feel this way, that life is short, right? And I got one, amen. Life is short, and I, I don't want to hit a home run. And so I don't want to miss life. And, and what happens, like you in life, you have a lot of opportunities, and it's not really the problem that we don't have opportunities, right? It's the problem of discerning what's between good and best. Y'all with me? It's the problem of discerning between good and best. And so for me, I have all these opportunities. I don't know which way to go. I don't know to go right, left, up, down. I don't know to continue in this degree, that degree. I don't even know. All I know is this, is that I know when I'm laying my head down for the very last breath that God's going to give me, because as a pastor... One of the great privileges that I have, and I will say it's a privilege, is to watch people go to Jesus. And I don't want to miss out on being a steward of what God's given me. And I don't want to miss it anymore. My whole life, you know what my life can be titled? Missed opportunities. I look back at my life, one decision would have changed this, would have changed this. Maybe, maybe you've done that, maybe not. But that's my life. I can look back, I can see all these great things. I mean, I look back at my father who had a chance to become this multi, multi, multi-millionaire, and instead he chose to be kind and, let a, and lend God money for a riding lawnmower. Because that was my dad, he was a giver. I don't want my life to be that way, and I hope you don't either. I don't want to miss opportunities. I'm not talking about getting rich. I'm talking about knocking it out for Jesus and seeing many people get saved and transformed. 1 Peter chapter 4. I'm going to read a little bit of scripture, if you don't mind. I'm going to start with verse 1, and you're going to see this as Paul, excuse me, as Peter is writing to the church that Paul most likely had planted and that God's doing a mighty work in the midst of severe persecution. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, so you see where this is happening. Think about Nero. Think about the Roman emperor just breathing down on Christianity. Since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude. Because whoever suffers in the body is done with what, saints? As a result... They do not live the rest of their earthly lives. And I pray that penetrates your heart. I pray the Holy Spirit, who we love, takes it from here to here. They do not live the rest of their earthly lives for human evil desires, but rather for the will of God. That is my prayer. That is my prayer for you that the rest of our lives will be focused on the will of God and not on the will of man. 
And sometimes it's, it's hard to see how you can make the greatest impact for the kingdom of God. But if I just stay obedient by God's word, I just keep doing God's word, he will make all that fuzziness clear. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do. Then he begins to list them. Living in debauchery, right? Unsaved acts. Do not be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. Remember that in Ephesians 5.18. But be filled with the Holy Spirit. Lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They, meaning the people that don't know the Lord, are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless, wild living and what does the Bible say that's going to come with it? They do what, saints? Yes. You and I, people look at us like we're crazy because we will not do what we used to do. <laughs> right? We don't go there. This is so cool to me. It says they are surprised. I'll never forget when I got radically transformed by the gospel. There was a football coach here that worked with me, and I'll never forget he looked at somebody, and I had changed, and God had radically changed me, and, and I go from this guy that's using uh, coarse words and all kinds of sinful actions, and all of a sudden, I'll never forget, he looked at somebody, he said, he said don't worry, we'll get John back. <laughs> no, he won't, because he had to go through Jesus, and Jesus is undefeated right? I'll never forget it. He said it too. And I'll never forget a couple years later before his dad and mom died, I drove, I, on a Friday, on Easter Friday, I, I tell you what, the Holy Spirit just kind of does crazy stuff in your life. I'll never forget on a Friday, Lynette and I had no money, we got nothing. We got Lauren as a, as a, a little girl and, and JD's little and we're doing Easter eggs. I'll never, I'll never forget it. And all of a sudden, God says, you're getting in the car, you're driving to outside Annapolis, Maryland, and you're going to witness to your, the, your co-worker coach, his mother and father who are Jewish. I said, I don't have a car that'll make it up there, Lord. He said, oh, you're going to rent a van. So we rented a car on a Friday, drove up there, sat with them for about an hour and a half, two hours, shared the God. He looked at me, he says, you know I'm Jewish, don't you? I said, yeah, but we need Jesus. <laughs> and I shared the gospel, got back in the car, and drove all the way back to Charleston. Man, people were surprised. John's lost his mind. And I would say, amen, because I got a new mind. <laughs> right? In Scripture, we've been transformed by the renewal. Well, anyway, y'all with me on that. Y'all are probably going, now I'm leaving the church forever. Bye, John. Okay. But they will have to give an account, verse 5, there's the hope. But they will have to give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. So the hope is whenever people come along and say, at your work and your family, they don't even understand you. They don't understand the love and the passion that you have for Christ. Don't worry. God will show up. You and I don't need to. For this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead. Now, don't let that freak you out because he's talking about us. <laughs> we, are, we were dead in our trespasses and sins, right? But God made us alive, and then all of a sudden when you love Jesus, then all of a sudden Galatians 2.20, you remember that popular passage kicks in? For I'm crucified with Christ, but yet I what? Yeah. Dead. 
My old self is dead. I get in a car and drive all the way to outside of Annapolis, Maryland, and then turn around and drive back just to share the gospel. Ain't got no money. I, mean, I know some of you are saying, what you mean? Let's see, when I was a football coach and I started here, I made $10,000 a year. Welcome to my world. That's what I made. For this reason, the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead so that they might be judged according to human standards in regard to the body. But look at us. But live according to God in regard to the spirit. Verse 7. The end of all things is what, saints? Man, keep that focus in mind. It will not always be this way. So when your mind wants to have a fixed mindset, as Carol Dweck will talk about at Stanford, you don't want to have a fixed mindset, you want to have a growth mindset, it won't always be this way. For the end of all things is near, therefore be alert and sober, of sober mind, so that you may what, saints? That's why we do. That's why we always are focusing on prayer, because it is a way that transforms our mind. MRIs know this. You know about neuroscience. You know what happens to the mind and how the mind is engaged in prayer. You've seen the MRIs. You've seen the CATs, the CT scans. You've seen those and what happens to the mind when prayer takes place. You've seen what happens to the pulse rate, uh, to the heart rate, uh, the pulse. You've seen what happens to the blood pressure when prayer. Your body physiologically begins to change. Why? Because the Spirit rules the body. Verse 8. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. I'll just say this. If we don't fall madly in love with Jesus and we don't fall madly in love with each other, this church will never make it. Or any other church for that matter. Oh, programs can bring people. Programs can be, bring people, but love transforms. Gosh, I'm not going to show a video, but I want to show one. Uh, there's a guy, and I'm going to show it at the end, this other video. There's a guy named Andre Crouch. You know anybody know Andre Crouch? Come on. I know Miss Penny. Yeah, Andre's my man. Back in the day. You know I'm talking. Back in the day. Listen, Andre Crouch, Billy Graham said this. Billy Graham would use him in, this, in the early 70s and, 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 and the Jesus explosion and all this stuff. Man, Andre Crouch was my man. I still was. I was crying last night. Crying. My wife walks in. She said, you're crying. I said, yeah, I'm crying. And so I'm just crying listening to him because I love him so much. But I love his songs are so pure. His songs are so wonderful. I was sitting there listening to a song. Woo! Did he, come on, somebody. He, I was listening to some songs. It was transforming me. Then I thought about a song that they played at my dad's funeral and, uh, and How Great Thou Art. Anybody know that old hymn? I remember, you remember, I see your hand going up. And so what happens, I remember they played that. Why? Because even in the midst of death, God is still good. Come on, somebody. And all of a sudden, I turned around, and I started thinking, I went in, I went, how great thou art. I went to somebody singing, how great thou art. I went into one of those, those just those gospel singers, and uh, I forgot what the singer's name was, and he was just anointed by God. He was hitting notes. I didn't even know it where existed. Like they were high. And you could just sense the power. It wasn't just something, a song that ministered to my, to, my, to my mind or my body. It ministered to my soul. You know what transformed me? How great. And I, oh, I remember. Then I turned around and I was listening to a, a song by a girl that was on, uh, not America's Got Talent, but not The Voice. What's the other one? American Idol. And she's now a big famous country singer and married the, Huh? 
Carrie Underwood, that's it. I was saying that just shows you my mind. So I was listening to Carrie Underwood, and she was, uh, she married this ice hockey player, right? I don't know how their marriage is right now. But anyway, and so she married him, and, and then she's singing with Vince Gill. And she's singing how great. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? That will change. What? I wanted to do a lap, flip the table. I, I don't know. I was just like, Jesus, take me now. And she was singing, she was crying, and it ministered to my soul. And then it was on YouTube. You know how you look on YouTube and then it lists the other things. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And it lists like, and the other one was like pentatonics. I was like, well, I know pentatonics. So I, I put on pentatonics. And then they got this other girl from American Idol named Jennifer. Oh, gosh, she is amazing. Can I tell you, if I could sing like Jennifer Hudson, I would sing. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even speak. Like every, would you, would you like something to eat? Well, yeah. It'd be like, the sweet one. Never, Dr. Pepper people, does anybody know what I'm talking about? Do y'all not wait? Yes, the sweet one. He's modern day prince. So anyway, I, so anyway, I, I was sitting there, she was singing with pentatonics, and Jennifer, I could feel the spirit. But in some of them, all I felt was the beat. Y'all, y'all didn't hear me. All I felt was the beat. I didn't feel the spirit like I felt when Jennifer Hudson was singing the song or when Carrie Underwood was singing it. But when, it, when the voice was go to somebody else in pentatonics and you can kind of look and you can kind of know where their lifestyle is and where their heart is compared, you know, not judging, just saying, you know, you know what's going on and you just look at it and you go, I don't feel. Like it's the difference between bouncing to the beat in your car than being transformed by the words that are sung. You and I have that in us. We have that. That's what that means. That's what it means there in that passage. To, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. Verse 7, the end of all things is near. Verse 8, above all, love each other. Uh, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. And then he expresses how we're going to love. This anointing of God that's on us. Offer hospitality to one another without crumbling. This is an expression of love as when you open up your home to people and you expect nothing in return. This is powerful language within the end of God. Everybody wants somebody to pay rent, but there are very few people that will pay your rent. But as believers, everything changes. That's why we're stewards of finances. That's why we're stewards of all, well, I'll get to it. Lord, I hopefully I get to it. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Verse 10, and here's the verse I want to land on. But there's so much more. In the midst of this severe persecution, in the midst of Christians being rolled up and lit up so somebody else can show how great and beautiful their garden is. You can't hear screams of somebody burning when they're muffled in wax. Verse 10. Each of you should use whatever what, saints? You have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Let me read it again. Each of you should use whatever gift in the midst of persecution, in the midst of trial, 
God is speaking that the greatest way for Jesus to be shown is this, this gift that's been given us that we are doing something with to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And then he begins to explain some things. Verse 11, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. Why? Because his word in Isaiah 55, his word never returns what? Man, when God speaks, mountains are smooth and valleys come level. When God speaks, all of a sudden, even the animals have to bow. When God speaks, government bow down. When God speaks, even the universe changes. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. I know some of you in this room, and me at times, don't feel like we're appreciated and loved. And some of you feel outcasted by your family, and I apologize to you for that. And I don't know how to make it right except to say this. I can never meet the love that your father and mother might not have met for you because they didn't know Jesus. But what I can do is somehow I can be, I can be this brother or sister that when I love you, the anointed of God and the anointing of God in me takes the love that I give and share and that you just don't hear it, that you just don't see it, but that you feel it. And it begins to minister as the Holy Spirit takes that and ministers to you. And then you and I minister that to each other and to the world. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, notice he says speak, and notice he says serve. It's the two things he's saying here. This is powerful. They should do so with the strength God provides. I cannot serve. There is no way that Josh Rice over here can be and serve people around him without the strength of God. If he doesn't spend time with Jesus, he will hate what God asked him to do. I know what I'm talking about. You will not do it. You will want to do it, and you will not stay faithful with it. Only in God's grace, only in God's strength can it be done. Should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through who, saints? Oh. To him be the glory and the power. I love, I love Peter just kind of like Paul. Can't contain. Listen, when Jesus touches you, you can't help but start praising. It's, it, you know what? It's easy to get into a Holy Ghost party. Because just like the old unsaved song said, because the party don't stop. And it will be all eternity. So I want to give us three confessions today. You ready? Confession number one, I think, I, I don't, this isn't on Facebook and I apologize, but this is for you. Confession number one, look at verse 10. Let's read verse 10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received. Confession number one, because of the gospel of Jesus, we have a gift. I don't want anybody to say in this room, I don't want anybody to say, I don't have a gift that is unbiblical, that is unscriptural, and that is not true. 
But John, you just don't know me. Listen, I want to tell you something. You, you're saying, we have a gift, and immediately, here's where everybody wants to go. Immediately, everybody wants to jump to Romans 12. Immediately, everybody wants to jump to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Immediately, people want to jump in back over into 1 Peter with some more of the spiritual. Don't go there. Don't leave this passage. Don't jump. I, John Piper even said, don't jump. Don't jump from this passage because it's going to explain to you what the gift is. Woo! We got a gift. We got a gift. Ephesians 3 7. By the way, grace is mentioned in every chapter in 1 Peter. But 1 Peter aligns so much. I don't want to get too much theological here from it. aligns with the book of Ephesians. Peter wrote Peter, Paul wrote Ephesians. But both of them in the midst of persecution. Paul was in prison when he wrote Ephesians, and Peter was being breathed down by Nero. Confession number one, because of the gospel of Jesus, we have a gift, and here it is, saints. Are you ready? Here it is. Ephesians 3, 7 says it like this. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace. The gift that we have. Look at this in, in first, I'm, I'm reading this to you in 3, 7. By the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Here, Ephesians 3, 7 helps us even understand 1 Peter Chapter 4, verse 10. Look at verse 10 again. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. The gift we have received is God's grace. And everybody wants to jump to spiritual gifts. Well, I might have the gift of administration. I might have the gift of mercy. I might, I might have the gift of tongues. I might have the gift of this. I might have the gift of that. I, I might have the gift of, teach, gift of teaching. I might have the gift of exhortation. You know, no, 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 that's not what he's saying. We have the gift of grace. We have the gift of grace. The gift that he's talking about in this context is the gift of grace because through that comes all other gifts. Ephesians 3.7 puts it like this. Like I read, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Who is this gift? Jesus is our gift. Jesus is the gift of the gospel. And from Jesus, a spectrum, the Lord has given me this, this is what the Lord, a spectrum of his radiance is seen through believers as God transforms each circumstance we are in from death to life. Come on, is that not true? Jesus is the radiance of God's glory in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And now since we have the gift, which is Jesus Christ, we get his grace. His grace is something we don't deserve, right? Right? The wages of sin is what? We don't deserve it. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We were still enemies, but God, the gift is God's grace. I, don't, I want people to stop focusing on certain gifts and start focusing on the giver of the gift. Because when we focus on gifts, then we start comparison, comparison, comparison to each other. But then when we focus on the giver, it's all about him and we're all equal. So he takes the gift of grace given us, and then we walk into circumstances, your job, your home, your, the way you grew up, and you give people grace. You give them something they don't deserve, but you give them the power that sets them free, the same power that's working within us, the Holy Spirit, setting us free. John 4.10, I'll show you this gift is Jesus. John 4.10 says it like this. Jesus answered her. You remember, you remember the woman the well, right? She's questioning him. She's smearing him. She's questioning him. 
Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God, that is Jesus, and because of Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection, his resurrection proves who he is, we get grace. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The gift of God. First Peter 4, 10 says we've all been given a gift. What's the gift we've been given? Jesus. What is the byproduct of that gift? What is the essence? What is the residue that Jesus is within me? It's his grace. God's gift is Jesus. And through Jesus, through Jesus we get grace. And his grace then becomes manifested in gifts. Romans 6, 23, remember this one? This is a popular. For the wages of sin is what, saints? I didn't hear you. What? Hey, I want you to feel that word. That's the difference between reading and transformation. For the wages of sin is death. But the what, saints? Gift of God. See the gift? 1 Peter 4, 10, the gift is not the focus is not that you have the ability, that you have the gift of discernment. The focus of the gift is Jesus Christ and the grace thereby given. But the gift of God is eternal life. In the gift. So you can't separate eternal life from Jesus <laughs> because it's in him. The Bible says, in him we live and move and have our being, right? In him. Remember in Ephesians? In him. In him. In him. In him. It's all throughout that. We can only do what Jesus does, and only by the power that he gives us. I'll show you now, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, you remember this? For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the what, saints? Gift of God, so that no man can boast. The gift of God is the grace who in the a face of the grace is Jesus Christ. Every one of us in here has something to give. 2 Timothy 1.6 says, here's, some, here's another statement of the power of the Trinity. The gift is Jesus. And Jesus said, it is good for me to leave you. And the disciples are freaking out. They're going, well, we're scared. And what? Why are you leaving me? He says, no, it's good for me to go because when I go, the helper, the paraclete, the one who comes alongside, the counselor, he will come into your life and he's going to come into your life. Why? Because he's part of the gift. 2 Timothy 1.6, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. Hmm. The Holy Spirit who lives within us which is in you through the laying on of my hands. And because of that grace, grace is now manifested in different ways. Listen, J Josh Rice, J.D., I keep calling him J.D. because that's what I call him. J.D. Rice has to walk in grace because without grace, if we confess this, I have the gift of your grace, God. Your job, confess it, pray it over you, put it on top of your computer. I don't care. But make it, make it a point that 1 Peter 4.10 becomes our confession this week. 
that we walk out of here every moment confessing we have a gift and Satan can never lie that God loves me less than he, than, than he loves Billy Graham or God loves me less than he loves some other great and mighty whoever superhero in the faith or Paul or Peter. God is no respecter of persons. 1 Corinthians 7, 7 says, I wish that all of you were as I am, but each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. And he's talking about these, these other gifts, the second tier, the second layer of gifts of how they're expressing God's grace. I'm going to hopefully get into that. 1 Corinthians 15, 10, I love this. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Just because we have grace doesn't mean we don't work. And we dive into the gift that God has given us. We dive into the grace that God has given us. That beautiful, the beautiful grace of himself to us. And we dive into him and then yet not I, but the grace of God was, uh, was, that was with me. It becomes the work of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit takes takes Jesus' words, takes scripture, and makes it alive because he's taken our heart. So now, remember, he's taken out a heart of stone and given us a heart of flesh. And in that heart of flesh, what does he say in Ezekiel? That I'm going to write the words of God on their heart. So every time you and I read the word of God, it doesn't just go here, it goes here. And all of a sudden we get to remember some of the words and some of the key phrases and maybe even some verses or maybe even a chapter. We begin to memorize. Why? Because God puts it in our heart because that is a sign that we have a new heart. His word means something to us. It matters to us. Confession number one, because of the gospel of Jesus, we have a gift. Confession number two, because of the gospel of Jesus, we have a gift of grace. Now let me, I'm, all right, let me go into, can I, can I go into a little bit of my theological training? Yes or no? Yes? All right, so here's what, let me, let me give me this. In, in expository preaching, which is, which is there's, there's, a, there's a science to Bible interpretation called hermeneutics. And, and it's a science. And we learn from Jesus and we learn from the New Testament uh, authors. We learned how they quoted the Old Testament and we learned how they interpret it. So there's an actual, so you don't just misinterpret. It's not like somebody can up here and read something and go, oh, well, this is right because, well, this is what I think. Well, if it doesn't match God's word, then it doesn't matter what they think. So this, so in, in sermons, it's easy for you, normally I give you one point. I focus on the gospel, and I tell you something about the gospel. Is that right? Yes or no? Y yes. Okay, good. Hopefully that, that's true. So I'm going to give you, so why, John, are you giving me three confessions today? You say you normally take one point, and then that's it. So I'm going to tell you something. So Hayden, uh, you've, you've taken this. This is called a chase sermon. Have you heard of a chase sermon? This is called a chase sermon. What a chase sermon is this, is that I'm giving you one main point. Because of the gospel of Jesus, we have been given a gift. And because, and this is called a chase, so I'm going to build on each on, on, the, on, on each point. Because of the gospel, we've been given a gift. Then point number two, because of the gospel, we've been given a gift of grace. Because of the gospel, we've been given a gift of grace to serve others. You see how I just built on each point? You see that? That's called a chase sermon. So sorry to be a technical, but I want you to get it. So you'll know you're this week, you're on your knees and you're praying and you're confessing, God, 1 Peter 4.10 says, I have a gift. The gift is your grace, and the grace is for me to serve others. That is how you're going to manifest your grace. Notice that when people have talents, it's for them. But when God gives grace, it's for him.
because the gospel of Jesus, we have the gift of grace. I, I like what Piper said. This is a pretty neat analogy, and I hope I say it correctly. You have the vertical part of the cross. You have the horizontal. God gives grace to us. His supernatural favor and power. Grace is not just favor, but it's the power to do what God's called you to do. That is why when she's saying how great thou art, grace didn't just come through her. It was bent horizontal, and I could feel the Holy Spirit. When Carrie Underwood was singing, or Jennifer Hudson was singing, I could feel the, are y'all tracking me? Haven't you put on some songs and it just changed you from a moment of, yeah, like you put it, like I'm going to just break it down for you. Like you put a little kid in play. Ain't going to hurt nobody. Y'all don't know nothing about house party. Um, yeah, hey, but, or, or you put a little of my favorite jam, Earth, Wind, and Fire. After the love is gone. Never mind. All right, so, uh, so you, you put that on, like I feel it. But you put on a song that's the Lord's. And it moves me from a feeling to the depth of my soul. And last night I'm crying, thanking God for him. God, who am I? Who am I? Some of these great older saints that have gone to be with Jesus, man, they got it. And, and his grace comes in us and it's bent. It's bent from vertical to horizontal, and we serve. If Listen, I'm going to make it real with you today. And as I'm only telling you this, please don't receive this by offense because that's what the world is. Every time we read social media, that's offensive. Every time we read a text, we have to have emojis because we assume the person is ranting. But if you're not serving, you're not bending God's grace. You're not bending the vertical blessing, favor, gift that God has given you. And you're not, and I'm not bending it to others. It's the bending, it's the horizontal part, the bending of God's grace. Look at, look at verse 7. He says, the end of all things are, are, is, is near. Therefore, be alert and sober mind, uh, of sober mind that you might pray. That God is calling God, uh, call on God to act. That's what the Holy Spirit was showing me, and Piper even talked about it. In other words, Piper said this. He said, take risk. In other words, take risk here, bending God's grace. It's, it's, it's his grace. Look at verse 10, 1 Peter 4.10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace. What is the gift? Break down it. I could break it phrase by phrase. I could break this verse down for you. The gift is grace. Favor that we don't deserve and the power to do what he's called us to do. That is grace. God, I need your favor. I need your favor. Instead of asking for it, why not confess it? My marriage works so much better when instead of asking for Lynette's love, I confess that I have her love. Because then it changes me serve. It changes your heart for your team. It changes your heart for your family. It changes the heart for people that have wronged you. We have favor from God. Luke 2.52, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature in favor with God and man. Whoa, I just got so much. What is, this, what is this gift, this gift of God's grace? I, I like, I'm going to give you his definition, uh, Piper's definition of a gift, because it's the best that I've come across. There's many, many definitions, but it's this. It's a personally unique, oh, some of y'all are going to go theological crazy on me here, but you're going to have to take it up with John Piper, who's probably way more conservative than me. The gift is a personally unique capacity for stewarding grace to others. It's a, it's a personally unique capacity 
for stewarding God's grace to others. Let me break it down for you. Grace is this, that God puts us in situations at certain times. He's made us with certain personalities. He's made us all these things. But listen, what I'm going to tell you is, is that grace is for the moment we're in. And I know some of you are going to say, so John, are you full charismatic? Does that mean when God gives you a gift that he can change the gifts and he can pull? I'm telling you this, that God gives you the gift for the moment that you're in, and he can give you any gift that he wants to. And he will give you exactly what you need. John Piper even talks about that over and over and over. And yes, it is controversial in some circles, but it is biblical. God will give us the grace. He will give us the favor exactly at the moment we lose a job, exactly at the moment we don't know what to do. He will give us grace, and when we don't know what to do, we open up the word of God and we step, that word is a lamp unto my feet, we step into the principles that he teaches. Somebody's wronged me, the Bible says, forgive others as your heavenly Father's forgiven you. So I step into that and say, God, Give me the ability of grace that I confess that you've given me to forgive. Because my flesh will hate, but my spirit will love. Example, second tier. The, major, the gift is Jesus, and it's it shown by his grace. Our salvation is shown by his grace. We have favor from God, open heaven, and the power to do what he's called us to do. So second tier, let's use an example of teaching. Is teaching a gift? Yes, but how is it unique? Because that word is unique. Then he talks about this. The way each of us are uniquely made in our specific moments. My specific moments are different than yours, and your home and your job and your situation is different than mine. It's a unique moment. And so God is going to give you grace for the unique moment that we're in. Begin to confess that. God has shown grace on me. He said, and I want to bless other people. And I'm going to do good with this grace to other people, he said. He said, don't put the emphasis. He said, on spiritual gift tests, don't go down the spiritual gift test and check the box. He says, don't put the emphasis on the checking the box. Oh, I have the gift of teaching. Oh, I have the gift of prophecy. Oh, I have the gift of discernment. Oh, I have the gift of administration. Oh, I have the gift of mercy. Don't put the emphasis on checking the box, he says, but put it on that he's given me a capacity and a special way at this moment to show him. So he asks this question. Here's what the theological rub is, Hayden. Is your second-tier gifts teaching, pastoring, whatever else, is it permanent or occasional? Do you all know what I mean by that? Is it permanent? Do you always have it? Or is it occasional? I know the gifting and calling of God is irrevocable. You're exactly right. The gifting is His grace. <laughs> well... The answer is, he will give you gifts at specific moments and specific times for what you need. And I'm not saying, oh, help me, Lord. So recently I've noticed that the anointing that God's given me called Right, the, the way I express his grace, his favor. Does that make sense? When I say anointing, talk to me, guys. I need to know if you know what I'm saying. Anointing is, is again, it's the Jennifer Hudson language. When Jennifer sings, how great thou art, I am absolutely moved to tears. When Pentatonix sings it, all I can do is focus in and go, wow, they're talented. They get the glory, but when you're anointed, God does. 
When somebody's up here preaching and it's God, you should be moving into God. When somebody's up here and they're playing and they're anointed by God, you don't focus on them. That The words and the music take you into the presence of God. Are y'all tracking what I'm saying? Listen, what I'm trying to tell you is this. I'm only anointed to give God's grace only in specific places. I have noticed lately that I don't have the favor of God. That is the transformational favor of God in certain places that I go that he doesn't want me to go. You enter, I'll break it down for you. You enter a relationship that God doesn't want you to go. I'm not saying that you can't make it work, but I am saying that you, you will have to do it and not Jesus. And I, I can't carry anybody else's salvation. I, can go, I can't go to other certain churches and preach. I've gone and preached, you know, because people have asked me and done stuff and blah, blah, blah. But I'm not caught. You know what I mean? The anointing was there for that day, but the anointing was not there for me to stay there. Y'all tracking what I'm saying? That's why I don't go anywhere. Because I can only go where God's anointing of grace is. So it is a specific. It's unique. Hayden, if you try to go to another place and God doesn't send you that place, it is absolutely, you will not, people will like you, but there won't be transformation. That's the way it is. So you can do what you want. But you got to do what God is saying. So he says that. So I, I'm, I'm going to ask us to, Lord, give me to be, as he said, to be a channel of God's grace. So we're getting ready to land the plane. We're going to pray. Give me. And here's the third thing. So remember, it's a chase sermon. So because of the gospel of Jesus, we all have gifts, correct? Yes or no? Because of, because of the gospel of Jesus, we all have gifts, a gift of God's grace. Because of the gospel of Jesus, we all have a gift of God's grace to serve others. The whole purpose of the anointing of God within me is for others. I already have God's favor. Now let me go show that to others so that they can have favor with God and experience that. 1 Peter 4.10, I'm going to get there. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Because of the gospel of Jesus, we have, this is confession number three, we have a gift to serve others of God's grace. We serve by the grace of God. We serve by the favor of God. We serve in the anointing of God. So we serve with power. We don't serve as weak. We don't serve as people who are pushed away. We serve in power. And sometimes people think power means you finish number one. But I want you to know that Jesus was still powerful when the world says he was last. Mm. The first shall become last, and the last shall become the world rejected him, but it doesn't mean he was any less powerful. In fact, sometimes powerful, as you read Peter, is to be able to go through the fiery ordeal that is in you, and you rise above it because you deny yourself, and you stand on the cross, which becomes a rock in the midst of the flood and the sand, and you just keep walking. Jesus is undefeated. What does he say we're supposed to be? Good, faithful. Look at this, 
First Peter 4.10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. That we're supposed to be faithful stewards. Faithful. That is stewards, stewards, stewards. We are stewards of the grace that is given us, the favor and the anointing. I'm a pastor for Summit. I'm not the pastor of another church. I'm not, I don't have an anointing. I can go preach at that church if God tells me on a Sunday, but I can't stay there every Sunday. I can't stay. I love you. I'll see you in heaven is what I tell them. God hasn't called me. I don't have the grace. I don't have the anointing. John, but you can preach. You're called to preach, so go preach. I can only preach where God tells me. That's why I pastor here. That's why you're here. Some of you want to leave and God just won't let you. And I'm praying that God will not let you. I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will be a leash and that you will just absolutely be miserable and not sleep at night and have, no, I'm kidding. I'm not praying that. I am praying you don't leave. But God's grace comes in various forms. I want you to look at that word and we're going we're to get this. Various forms means this. It means many colored, C-O-L-O-R-E-D. It means diversified, colored. So God's God's grace comes in many colors. Now, stop thinking racial. Now what he's talking about. Though that's true, that, that, that God expresses himself through his diversity, but God is expressing himself not only in the diversity of our colors, but in the diversity of our calling. Everybody in this room, you confess, you have a gift. You have gift, uh, you have confessed, you have a gift of his grace. We don't have to, we pray, God help me express your favor. I confess today I have your favor, though I don't feel it, though I don't know it, though I don't see it, and I don't understand it. I have your favor. And now, God, I'm called to serve. If we are not serving, we are not obedient and faithful stewards. We gotta serve him financially. We gotta serve him in the local church. We gotta serve him in our families. We gotta serve him in our jobs. I know you don't want to. I know people do you wrong. People are gonna hate you. The Bible says that they will, and I want, to, I want us to check ourselves. If we're all, if I'm just love, love, love all the time, maybe I'm not doing what's right. That's why Francis Chan stepped back from his church because he said, I must be doing, it must be the focus must be me and not Jesus because I'm not being persecuted. And then we know that we're blessed when we're persecuted. But we do it to serve others. So I go back to my man, Andre Crouch. Andre Crouch, I want to show this video in a minute. So if we can get it ready to show in just a minute. Andre Crouch is my man. Andre is going to be with Jesus. Andre, when he was, he got saved at nine. You're going to see in the video. Andre's dad, Ben Crouch, fought being a preacher. Didn't want to be a preacher. Didn't want to do it. Didn't want to do it. He didn't want to. He was a businessman out in L.A. Andre Crouch. Man, I love this guy. He has written more songs. Listen, you can go into some old churches today, and they're still singing the blood of Jesus. They're still singing the song. Let the church say amen. Let the church say amen. And this guy wrote, they're in all, they're in Baptist hymnals. Billy Graham said he was the modern day hymn writer. He stuttered, stammering, he says. 
and went to this church. The outhouse was in behind the church. You know, poor churches, because churches don't have money. Churches have power. The kingdom of God has as much money that God's grace is going to give them at that moment so that we will not be dependent on, on what we have, but who we have. And so he looks down and Ben crouched the father looks at Andre and he says, Andre, if God gives you the gift of music, will you, will you serve him? Yeah. Two weeks later, no piano lessons, nothing. He sits down and starts playing and singing. Writes his first major hymn that's still sung today in many churches when he was 14 years old. Because he asked God, God, I want to write a song. And in five minutes, sat down with the whole thing. Can you show that video? This is, this is him at the Billy Graham Expo back in 1972. That's just a little bit of his testimony. God has used him to minister to my soul. And I watch some of his old YouTube videos and watch him sing even when he was struggling in his health. He was always just lifting up Jesus. So I'm going to ask you today, you can come up and play behind me because this is going to get real. Some of you are going to get nervous. It's okay. 
First Peter 4.10. Each of you should use whatever gift. What is the gift in this context? The gift is grace. Now there's explanations of how grace is played out through teaching and exhortation, administration and mercy. List of gifts. This church, I have watched Satan try to kill it. For over 20 years, you've allowed me to be your pastor. Lauren, you can testify. You were the only one in children's church forever. Why even, why even have children's church if you only have one? Because then we tell her that she's not valuable to the kingdom of God. Studies show that the more workers we have in youth, it actually should be five workers to one student. That actually produces the greatest result. Because we don't have too many, we have too little workers. I'm going to ask you to ask the Lord, since I confess over you as your pastor the truth of God by the power of the Holy Spirit, who calls the dead to life, under the power and anointing of God, and I'm under a stricter judgment in James 3, 1 right now as I give you this word, I love this church, and I love you, and I'm not saying I'm a good pastor, I'm saying that he's a good God but it will not be the pastor that makes the church. And it will not be the music. Though the world, you can stink as a pastor and have a great worship team and you can build a big church. You know that, J.D.? You can be absolute. I could get up here and just tell you that the sky's blue and God is great and let's eat. And if the music was anointing and powerful, we wouldn't even, I mean, it's not built anymore on the word which is sad. But what the church is built on is only the grace of God and the anointing of God. And you can't just jump into a position that God hasn't anointed you to be in. That's why some people could try and go teach kids and they're no good at it because God hadn't anointed them to them. It's not that because they're not good, it's because that's not their calling, but they have a calling, so you have to confess. There's a gift of grace. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. So the gift we have is God's grace. We're faithful stewards of it. If we don't do anything, we take the grace and we bury it. We bury his grace, and when then God comes back, he says, you could at least put my grace on interest. But if you walk in grace, God was always going to promise to double it because the one who had two talents got two more, and the one that had five got five more. So he's always going to double the grace that he gives you. Why? Because there's a lost and dying world, and there are more lost people than they're saved. At best, the ratio is 50 that we see in the Gospels was one working in the field and one was gone. Two in the house, one gone. Each of you should use whatever gift you receive to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms, in its multicolored forms. And then we show the world the beauty of God's amazing grace. And so if you're here, 
God has called you to stay here, then he has called you to serve others. That's what he's called. And so the invitation today, the, the, the action point, the walking point that you walk away with would be this. If you feel led to say, God, I will serve others, and I don't even know how, how with that grace, where's, where's my anointing, where's my sweet spot? But if you'll say yes to that, then when we sing this song, who you say I am, I'm going to ask you to come and pray. Look, God already knows but this is, a, this is a response that you're saying, God, I will. I will serve. And then I'm going to ask you, once you talk to God first, then I'm going to ask you to somehow through social media or grab one of us an email and say, I committed today to serve. There's a lot of opportunities. And Jesus said it like this. The field is white with harvest. What do you say, saints? but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. And if you don't know Jesus, there's nobody that's going to love you. Nobody's going to cover your sins. You can't make it right. You can only mess it up. But Jesus... We'll make it right. Father, that is my prayer. I, I don't know what else to say except, Lord, is there anybody in here that today will commit to say, I'll serve? Maybe they're already serving. They just want to come and renew that, and they want to come and kneel right now. We'll see. We'll see, Lord. We'll see, won't we? You'll see. You'll see who's going to come. You'll see who's going to respond, who's going to serve you. They're just coming in and say, Lord, I'm going to serve you. Wherever, wherever you lead, I'll go. I'll follow my Christ who loves me. So wherever he leads, I'll go. Who, who Lord, in here will just say, I'll, I'll serve. I'll serve. And then they're going to follow up, Lord. They're going to put feet to the prayers, and then they're going to text us or hit us up in social media. I don't care if they're a member or not, Lord. They don't have to be members to serve. It didn't say in there. It just said serve. Serve others. Lord, who will come and confess that, Lord, I do have your gift of grace. I don't feel favor. I don't, I don't, I don't see it in some ways, but, God, I'm going to trust your word over uh, what I feel. Feelings tell me where, we, where I am, but they do not tell me. They tell me how I feel, but not where I'm going. Lord, who will come and just say, God, here's the ministry. I, I, you can have it. You can have me. Here I am. I'm going to serve. I'm going to serve. I'm going to serve. I'm going to surrender my life into this loving relationship of you. I know there are saved people coming forward. And God, if there's anybody in this room that's not saved, I pray today that they're wrecked because they know that there's, they cannot make it right with Jesus without Jesus. I pray that you would just open up their hearts in front of you today and they would see their hearts and they would see that without you, they there's no answer for sin. But with you, there's an answer to sin. His name is Jesus and he died on the cross and his blood was shed for our sins and his blood washes away our sins and the blood that came out of his hands and the blood that came out of his feet and out of his brow through the through the crown of thorns lord from where he was stabbed and where he was beaten and the blood all over his back and the blood all over his body and face and legs that that blood is precious 
and that blood is the answer to our very deepest and dark moments of pain, that there's a blood that holds us together, that is the blood that is thicker than any problem and pain. It is the blood that sets us free and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. It is the blood of Jesus that binds us together and drives us, and the grace that comes from your blood. God's summit will never be anything unless it becomes a place where people are saved and transformed. So if someone doesn't know you, I pray they'll get up and tell us. Pray. Turn and call upon you to save them. Confess with their mouth, Jesus is Lord. Believe in their heart that God, you raised him from the dead. Turn and follow you. And I pray for this church, Lord. Everybody out here is listening. I pray that you're moving in their hearts, that they will serve. Will they come? We'll only be as good as we are obedient. In Jesus' name.